You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin today by calling in the spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those people who have gone before us, who lived well, who died well, and who bring to us the legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call out to these ancestors to be with us and to take their place in relationship with us, the living, so that we might be guided by the lessons they have learned in their lives, that we might learn to listen to their communication with us and learn to go beyond where they were able to go with innovation and creativity and heart and to not fall into the exact same pitfalls that they experienced. And in this way, we could move humanity forward in a better way, in a new way, but we must learn to listen. And I call out to them to be close to us so that we can hear them. So I call out to these ancestors on whose shoulders we stand to gather around us here today and to help us as we talk today about taking action in the world in a way that is informed by spirit. And we give great thanks for those ancestors for joining us. And now we take our awareness from our minds to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies. And for our bellies, we begin to reach down into the earth. And we take a moment as we touch the earth with our awareness and our energy to pause and give gratitude for this day. The wonder and the beauty, all that this day holds, all the possibility and potential. We give thanks for this day. We give thanks for life in its great diversity with its many challenges and those many gifts you've been given in life you've not yet figured out how to open because they came disguised as something other than a pleasant gift. We give thanks to the earth for the magic of this existence that brings us teachings every day, gift after gift after gift. We give thanks to the earth for beauty. We give thanks to the earth for abundance. And we take a moment in all of this and just touch the awe that you have for the simple fact that you are alive. And with this joy in our heart for life, for beauty, for abundance, we reach down into the earth through all the layers of the earth, all the way down to the very center of the earth. And we anchor our own energy firmly there, that we take responsibility for our grounding and connection to the earth. And we welcome and invite with our great gratitude the energy of the earth up, up through all the layers of the earth, into our bodies, into our bellies, our hearts and our minds. And in this way, we draw up all the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way for all living things. We give thanks to the earth for its presence within us, for restoration, rejuvenation and replenishment. We give thanks to the earth for this energy and use this energy in our lives to create groundedness, home, hearth, 
these energies that go with us as we move through our day, not locked to a piece of land or a particular homestead, but those energies that move with us and help us to act in confidence and peace in our day. We give thanks to the earth for this energy that we can create a sense of belonging. We give thanks for connection, for the interconnection of all things and our opportunity to participate in that. And we give thanks to the earth finally for the wonder of oneness and the fact that we are part of that great oneness. And as we take our place for just this moment in our in that oneness, in that great web of life, let us take right relationship with ourself from this place, oneness with all things, and then move out into right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment and with the spirit world. And we gain all this bounty from the earth and we give thanks to the earth as we draw this energy into our life and we draw it up now, reaching up through the sky, out through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos. We take a moment to caress and be caressed by all the heavenly bodies and the great mysteries of our universe. And we reach out to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, call out to it. Connect to it yourself and draw it down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And we draw down in this way, no matter what name we call this energy, we all draw it down the same. And we draw into our lives in this way blessing, the profound medicine of blessing. We draw into our lives protection. We draw into our lives generosity and benevolence and devotion. We draw into our lives these energies that help us to feel strong in our ability to take our gifts out into the world. We draw these energies into our head and our heart and our belly. And we create that place where the energies of heaven and earth come together. These two great lovers come together in that great dance of the Tao inside of each one of us. And we let that great love call out to each heart, call out to our own hearts to awaken and to become that great crucible of transformation that only the heart is. It has this magnificent capacity to draw up the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind above and hold these energies together in a great passionate tango. And from that dance comes the energy of our soul's purpose. It is born of that meeting and we come to know it in this life for it is only in this life that we can live it. And so we ask that in this heart, you reach the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your soul's purpose, your gifts, your unique genius into the world in some way. And for the great assistance of our ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart, we have great thanks to these energies for helping us to do what we have come here to do. What needs to be said, be said today, and may what needs to be heard, be heard And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And I give great gratitude for the spirits around us that help us in each day, whether we know it or not. And I give thanks to each one of you. Whether you know it or not, you keep the show alive and on the air. I give particular thanks to those of you who are able to help financially, to Michelle and her lovely note, to Deb, to Sawati, and to all of the listeners who have been able to help financially. And this helps me to pay the bills, to keep the show on the air in a way that is free for others to access. Because there are many that can't pay financially, and yet they write to me to tell me again and again how much gratitude they have for you, those who can offer large or small amounts, because they can't. 
but it is through having access to the show that they are learning ways to bring their life in order and to be able to become people that can contribute again to the great exchange of energy, of ideas, of heart, of gifts, and all of the many rich resources that make up our lives. So I'm thankful to you for helping me. They are thankful to you. And I'm also thankful for all of you who are moved by the show. And allow yourself to be moved in the heart into action, whether that is donating by going to whyshamanismnow.com and offering your support, any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. Or offering your questions, offering your show ideas, or simply taking these ideas into your life and living them and discovering what they do and don't do in your life and letting me know how did things go. And through this exchange, through this dialogue, we can keep the show alive and well on one hand, but also vital and useful to those of you who listen. So I thank you all for allowing yourself to be moved and for allowing your heart then to move you into action in your life. So today our... um, I'm circling back around because I was reminded by a listener that I forgot to finish a series that I started last year about journeying, about mastering the art of the shamanic journey. There is in journeying the practice, the discipline, the technique of journeying. But beyond that, the development of our capacity to journey really comes through our our learning how to craft better questions, how to more accurately interpret our symbolic language, and finally, how to take action in a good way based on those messages that we receive from spirit. And so today I'm doing that last piece of the series um, about taking action. We are live here this week, and if you have questions about today's topic, you are invited to call in at 512-772-1938. You can also Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to read your um, email on the air. Um, so, So we're poised here to finish this series for now about shamanic journeying and as I was working on this show um, a couple things uh, come to play one is I was listening to there's a um, TED talk by Graham Hancock that got censored got taken off the TED type site which only means now you can find it everywhere on the internet of course (laughs) but I strongly encourage you to do that because what Graham is talking about um, if I may be so so informal with him um, what he's talking about is his own experience working with plant medicines, but in particular, really respecting and working with the spirit of the plant, that that the um, altered states that we enter into are not purely about an active ingredient, but are about our interaction with the spirit of the plant itself while we are in that altered state and how to be in right relationship with the spirits. And it's important for everyone to understand that when you journey, you go to the same place, that we are still in that same altered state, working with our helping spirits. And um, Graham passionately talks about what could come into our lives if we were willing to work regularly with our spirit help, whether it's by taking plant hallucinogens, frankly, or journeying. It doesn't matter. The point is, if we were in direct, regular contact with our helping spirits, they would help to teach us to be better humans. If we were better humans, 
we would be creating a better life here on earth. And if we were doing that, we would be writing a new story for the new world. And this is terribly, terribly important. So Google Graham uh, and his censored TED Talk and listen. Um, today, I'm ta- I want to talk about a, basically the similar idea, which is how do we responsibly take these messages we receive in our altered states from spirit and manifest them in the world? Because here we are, at least in the northern hemisphere, here we are in springtime. In Chinese medicine, springtime is the time of the liver liver gallbladder, that part of the organ system is doing its annual yearly detox. And we talked actually a great deal about this in shows last year. Um, However, the essence of that is springtime is ever so interesting because the liver is doing sort of two things. One is the liver wants to move into its, its effort to dream and manifest that dream in your life. In the spring, it awakens into that and wants to move there. And the reason we flip back and forth in the springtime between, you know, dreams and romantic possibilities of life and anger and frustration is because as the liver wants to move into that dreaming manifesting phase, um, it stumbles over all of the toxins and the crap, frankly, that are stuck in our body, which is why springtime is an excellent time to do a practitioner-assisted liver detox, to get the, the stumbling blocks out of the way for your dreamer. So your dreamer manifesto, the gallbladder is the manifester, can work with you with, with um, un- unencumbered, unhindered. And so... This is important because it means we take action to help to clear the liver and then we need to begin to take action in life. What actions are we going to take? Whether it is manifesting our soul's purpose, just manifesting a more balanced life. Maybe all the pieces of your life are lovely, but they're just out of balance. Um, Maybe you're, you're as passionate as I am about the idea that we, the living here right now, through our actions, are writing the new story for the people that will shape the entire arc of the next world. So here we are. We have so many worthy projects, be it just the balance of your own life, your soul's purpose, or something for the people. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Here we are, poised, springtime, time of action, time to begin to sow the seeds and take action. The winter time, well, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, the winter time of gestating has passed. It is time to move forward. So how do we do that in a good way? So the ability to journey, which is not that hard to learn, the ability to journey gives us the ability to completely transform our lives if we choose to. Journeying allows us to receive guidance in problem solving in any dimension of life. Nothing is too mundane or too esoteric or sacred. Journeying gives us access to information about self-healing or simply the experience of self-healing. And journeying allows us to receive teachings about anything we can possibly imagine. Because if you can imagine it and craft a question about it or an intention about experiencing it, we can have that in the journey. And I'm speaking today about drum journeys, drum-assisted or, or sonic drivers-assisted journeys, normal, uh, common, I would say, familiar shamanic journeying. Now, 
much of what I have to say today translates easily into the realm of journeys um, supported in other ways through plant hallucinogens, chanting, dancing, um, but also dreams, also meditations, because it's all really about how do we work with our helping spirits? How do we take, do our part? We're the only part of that equation that's manifest in the physical world. So how do we do our part to take the fruits of that relationship between the human and the helping spirits and manifest them through our action in the world? Because that's our task, to make spirit manifest in the world. That's why we're here. And our particular soul's purpose is really the unique, is about manifesting the uniqueness of our spirit in the world. So journeying gives us... um, Truly, the possibilities that we access through the capacity of of shamanic journeying are endless. They are truly endless. And they are useless if we never choose to act on our journeys. So action, in some ways, is the most important aspect of journeying. Because it's the only way that the problem actually gets solved. That peace actually gets created. That you actually get healed. Or that you actually learn something. It, it is through our actions, our willingness to be different, that things change in ways we never imagined. And knowing is not enough. So journeying just to receive information is not enough. Especially these days when we have access to enormous amounts of information, um, most of which is utterly out of context and unrelated to anything else and overwhelming and distracting. So knowing is truly not enough, that we must act for change to happen. Um, Each time we act on our messages from spirit, spirit is made manifest in form here in the real world. And informed action, actions informed by spirit is a good thing. The important thing to remember is that our messages from spirit are not absolute truths. They're simply information, a particular kind of information from a particular source that is meant to be brought into a reasonable conversation internally with information from your mind and your heart and your body and other perspectives. Nonetheless, it is information. And information from the spirit through direct revelation is a human birthright. So the question, in other words, you can all journey if you choose to learn to do so. That it is our birthright to connect with spirit. There is no one who is unable. There are many who are unwilling, but there is no one who is unable. And the question for us then today is, what do we actually do with those messages from spirit? Whether our answers are coming to us through dreams or meditations or shamanic journeys, we must address how we will systematically learn to take action based on spirit information. So we must always remember that our messages from spirit are just information. They are not edicts or commands. That we must always separate um, our shamanic selves, those who are speaking to the invisible beings, from the functionally insane, who are also speaking to disembodied voices. And so it's important that we understand the distinction between actual shamanic work and that is functional and task oriented and um, creates a beneficial change in the world and 
messages from spirit that come in a way that is not useful to the person receiving them or humanity. Right. And so, um, Spirit told me to, in other words, is not a valid excuse for anything that goes sideways in your life or anything that is magnificent. We must understand information. We must choose how we're going to act and we must be accountable for our part in things. In other words, our actions are as much a part of what happens in our life that is magnificent as much as they are part of what happens in our life when they go sideways. It is still all about our choices and how we participate in the collective energies around us. So we humans are really at our best when our actions are informed by a, a decision made by our own wise inner counsel. And that that counsel not only has this wisdom from spirit that we receive through our dreams and journeys and meditations, but it also has the voice of the heart, the wisdom of the heart, the voice of the body and the wisdom of the body, and the voice of the mind and the wisdom of the mind. And um, and I will make a little sidebar comment here. And then that requires that you discipline your mind to get to the actual wisdom of the mind, not the an analytical neuroses of the mind, but the actual um, creative insight of the mind, the strategic thinking, the imagination. There are many, many qualities of the mind that are absolutely necessary for us to make wise, rational, practical, effective decisions. And again, this is not about your right to just say, well, spirit told me to. Because in the end, the bottom line is it's about you choosing to use your free will. And it doesn't – and so to say, well, spirit told me to is a cop-out. You still chose those actions. And so what we want to understand now is how to really craft that art, that aspect of journeying, which is to act. Now, the biggest challenge when you're journeying about the future, you know, what is my soul's purpose? How do I manifest it in the world kind of questions? The biggest challenge when we journey about the future is that we are the person living in the present. We are not the person who will be living in the future. And so our very imagination, our very vision, our everything about the future is limited. And yet we're the one that has to journey to figure out how to get there with the help of spirit. And so the challenge about journeying relative to the future is every question we ask in some way will limit the future possibilities. And that is, that is the first challenge about taking action, especially about the future with journeying because it is a question driven structure. And this is true, whether you're doing plant hallucinogens or shamanic journeys to a drum or, you know, doing the Sundance that um, we are still the person in present time. We need to be able to understand from the person who would be that person in the future, and that's very tricky. And so one of the gifts that I have been given along the years from um, a teacher, actually, was a technique from the Amazon, which is about using a tool within a tool. In other words, journeying is just a tool. And that this technique was to bring a power object into the journey 
that allows you essentially to try possible futures on for size. Or an, a more effective way to say this would be, more accurate would be, to try choices on for size and to see how they affect the different facets of your life. And so this is one of the um, sort of journey plus practices that I teach. It's not just these mastering the art of shamanic journeying, but also how we work with this dream tool in our life to, to get beyond our mind's tendency to limit our possibilities. Even in our wildest imagination, we don't realize the degree to which we are limiting ourselves. And the dream tool, which is a tool used in the journey, allows you to get around that, um, limitation inherent in our mind basically and our capacity to ask questions so that's that's one of the common challenges with journeying it's not a mistake people make it's just a challenge inherent in journeying is realizing if you really want to work on crafting the future you're going to need a dream tool to use in your journey so some of the actual common mistakes made in journeying the very first one the biggest one The massively biggest one is not taking action. That is the biggest mistake people make about action from their journeys is not doing anything with them. They journey, go to fabulous workshops. I've done it myself. You go on and on and on into this great um, adventure in non-ordinary reality, but none of it translates into how you are in the world. None of it changes. There's just the, the... The energy or the enthusiasm or the healing or the whatever is received in the time of the journey. And it's not that that is insignificant, but if it doesn't change who we are and how we act and the choices we make in the world, ultimately, it's not doing anything or not doing much or not doing what it could. And so that's the biggest mistake that people make around action and journeying is simply not acting. The other mistake is um, interpreting a literal answer as a metaphor and thus not doing anything with it. Oh, you know, oh, that was an interesting metaphor. The helping spirits told me to dance in the middle of the boardroom. Well, the helping spirits actually meant dance. So how is that going to happen? Right. And so that's one thing is to is to um, not act. Because a literal action, I mean a literal answer that's saying do this is um, being treated as a metaphor and not being acted upon. A version of this is um, not acting because the answer seems too simple to affect the problem that you're journeying about. And this is a really big, this actually should probably be number two. That simple daily actions are actually the answer to many of our questions. But we don't want to do simple daily actions. We want to continue with all the little daily actions we do that keep us stuck in one place, that keep us stuck where we are. And as much as we want to change, we don't want to give up um, those habits of how we go through the day. And so the simple daily actions that force us to change those habits and put something new, energetically more sound in place um, are often ignored are also very often ignored when people are journeying. So that's common mistake number three. So now, of course, another common mistake is interpreting a metaphorical answer literally and taking action um, inappropriately and moving further and further from center and not noticing it because spirit told you to. 
and not not recognizing the signs that this was not um, correctly interpreted and the actions are um, false. And so a piece of that that I see in a lot of people's lives who are sincerely journeying and trying and this for me is very um sad i feel much compassion for this situation and do my best to help when people ask for it but it is this act of cycling i don't mean cycling on a bike i mean cycling in your process where uh the path that you're cycling through is just a big enough circle that you're not noticing that as a whole it's the same pattern over and over and over again And so people are journeying and taking action at each section of this path and not realizing, though, that they're repeating the same circle. And so they're not really moving forward in their life. They're not really manifesting anything new in their life. It's just um, new versions of the same pattern, essentially. That's another – and not noticing that that's what's happening is another action mistake. Um, Let's see. So – The next one, the next common mistake is refusing to look critically at what has happened based on your actions. And so this is kind of an audit evaluate state where, where in other words, and there's an aspect of shamanic culture that talks about the value of learning, of engaging in your life consciously as someone who is always learning, particularly with your helping spirits. And this is connected to that. So for me to learn in this great experience, this big, meaning big, great meaning big, this big experience of receiving information from spirit, bringing it to my wisdom council, coming up with an action, taking an action, the next thing I have to do is look at what happened based on that and have some kind of audit and evaluate, not analyze, but to really look at what did this do? What was this about and where do I go from here? And there's much too much, oh, I just did it because spirit told me to and I'm, you know, floating along to the next thing without engaging very uh, with personal accountability and responsibility to your path of learning in this life. And I find this ironic because if you sit in, if you have a room full of people like at the Omega Institute or one of these retreat centers where you have a room full of people and you ask them, why are you here? Most of these new age people will say, I'm here to learn. I'm here to teach. I'm here to heal. I'm here to be healed. Well, if you're really here to learn, then why are you cycling? Why are you not auditing and evaluating what is going on in your life to actually learn how well did you translate that question into interpretation, into actions? How well did you do? What got in the way? Why were you biased? I mean, this is learning takes some actual paying attention. And so that's another big mistake that people make around taking action is they just take it and then move on to the next question that's utterly unrelated to that and don't look back to understand how is this working? How, how well did that work? How can I remember? What did I do in that uh, situation that was so uh, beneficial? Or what did I do that was um, problematic? And how can I not do that again? Right? So a next common mistake people make with their journey is refusing to check your starting perspective uh, before you lay out an entire action plan with the spirit world. You know, the helping spirits are answering your questions. And if your very perspective around the problem is based on false assumptions, you're going to get an action plan 
and you're going to put a lot of time and energy and resources into doing it and it's not going to get you anywhere because it's based on inaccuracy in the first place. And so this is another piece around action and I would say it has to do with sort of driving to action too fast based on assumptions instead of backing up with spirit, checking your assumptions about your, the whole situation first. And maybe adjusting those assumptions to something based on a higher truth before you go forward. And so with that then is another big uh, mistake that people make is simply impatience. And i am got my hand raised high. I am totally guilty of impatience. So I can speak from experience. And this is um, in, in journeying and action. This shows up as driving to action too fast in your journeying and taking some action that's kind of half-cocked that, and not having the patience to learn, to do the journeys, to, to draw your support, to really set things up so that when you act, it can be effective. And then the, the opposite is also an equally um, common problem with journeying, which is stalling and stagnation. And this can happen because people feel they're, they're afraid to take the action, they're overanalyzing the action, usually because they're afraid to take the action, or they're just naive and therefore don't understand that there is a certain time-sensitive quality to the answers that were being given by spirit. And... Um, so what often happens when we stall or stagnate and don't act or act um, sort of after the moment has passed is that we actually miss the moment spirit was trying to move us towards. And so now the process of getting us organized in the right place at the right time begins again because we didn't do our part um, to act. And so um, what this sort of stalling or stagnation, regardless of where it comes from, um, it results in missing the moment that spirit was trying to point you at. And yes, there will be other options, but not the same option again. And this is a really hard thing for people to grasp in the wash of the new age. Um, ever so positive, everybody's a light worker, focus, focus, focus on the positive, not the negative, is the inability to, to realize, to, to dig into this learning process and to realize moments get missed, doors close. They will not open again if you don't go through them. There will be other opportunities. There will be different opportunities. There are other ways. There are other paths. But sometimes a missed opportunity is a great sorrow because the next version involves more energy, maybe more pain, maybe more, you know, that it's a harder version of getting you there. And so one of the important things about taking action as you work with spirit is finding this balance between your impatience and your fear that stalls you out and keeps you from acting. And to um, find a way to if if you're afraid if the steps seem so too big find a way to take smaller steps if you're being impatient um perhaps ask a colleague or someone to journey on it as well to try to get a bigger perspective because you're driving too hard towards action but either way or just ask your helping spirits you know what are you missing you know go back and check that middle range of the work and I think the final mistake made um, with 
action is spending too much time after a journey trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what do I do next, instead of discerning the next question with cleverness and creativity and journeying again about it. If you're not at action yet, don't sit around trying to figure it out. Journey again on the next logical question based on the answer you just received. I mean, often the action required from journey A is crafting a new question for journey B and that continuing crafting a new question for journey C until you organically get to a place where the actions you need to take are clear. And the patience for that, again, is often missing in people's journeying. Again, because I think this understanding that we are engaged in a process of learning from the spirit world is also missing. That, that there's not this sense of rigor in people's um, journeying and their relationship with spirit. And yet people still want an awful lot out of it. They want to know their soul's purpose. They want to know how to make a manifest in the world, meet the partner of their dreams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they want it all. And yet there's little rigor in people's uh, responsibility around learning how to be the person who can be in that world they're dreaming of. Um, so when, we ta- when we're taking action, we're in a realm that's basically poised between two shamanic principles, or principles, actually. They're not just shamanic principles. And the first has to do with human free will. And it says that we must do something new if we want a new outcome. You can't just keep doing the same things over and over and over again if you want the outcome to be different. So if we want to manifest our soul's purpose, we will need to take actions, probably new actions, um, that we haven't taken before. You can't, if you're not living your soul's purpose now, you cannot stay exactly the same and expect to live your soul's purpose. It's not going to happen. Now, the other principle, though, um, is that kind of holds the first in this dynamic tension that we're journeying in is the second principle um, has to do with um, the fact that our life is manifesting from a dream that is in a sense behind us time-wise. In other words, I am not dreaming of my life and maybe it will happen. The dream's already dreaming and my life is the result of a dream that's already happening, right? So what that means then, the principle that that means then is that it's all already here. You, your soul's purpose, it's all already here. So it's not always about what do you need to do to find your soul's purpose or to manifest your soul's purpose. It is often more powerful to simply understand it's already here. So what do you need to do to simply get out of its way? It is your nature to live your soul's purpose. The only reason you're not doing it now is because you've learned to be someone other than yourself for various and sundry reasons, which we've talked about in many different ways on many other shows. But that is the only reason your soul's purpose isn't flowing out of you in this very moment is you learned to be someone other than your true self, living from the power of your true nature and manifesting what you've come here to do. That's all. It's very simple. And so often the great strategy 
in terms of manifesting what you want in life is simply asking, how do I get out of the way? If it's the right thing for you to be doing, it's already here. It's already wanting to be made manifest. You just need to stop doing whatever it is you're doing instead of the manifestation of it. Get out of the way. And our helping spirits are really accurate about how we get out of the way because that's already happening. It's already present. It's factual, if you will. And our helping spirits can be very accurate about what we need to do to get out of our way. They can't be that accurate about the future because the future involves many, many variables, many of which you are not in control of. And they are only talking to you about what you're going to do. And you don't control all of that. And so the accuracy about going forward is different because you're not in control of it yet. But getting out of your way is a really powerful place to take action. One, because the messages you can get from spirit about what you need to do can be absolutely accurate. It's already manifest. They're really clear what you need to be doing. And number two, you have 100% power to change yourself in the moment. You do not have 100% power over the future. It's not only about you. And so if we're looking for maximum effect for our effort, doing a lot of work with the helping spirits around how you get out of your own way is more bang for your buck. It's your energy. You can choose how to use it, but a great deal um, of progress can be made, not reaching forward to what doesn't exist, but trusting that it's already here. I'm working with spirit to learn what are the things you need to change in yourself to get out of the way. So the, and the thing about these two principles, the, the fact that you need to act and that it's all about your free will and that it's already here. And so your actions may not be so much about going forward, but about getting out of your own way in the moment. These two principles spawn very different questions, which lead to very different actions. And we need to learn to take both kinds. So part of the art or the mastery of action in journeys is getting a sense or working with spirit to truly understand um, when am I – When do I need to act to do something new, to manifest something going forward? And when do I need to get out of my own way? And that you will constantly need to do both in every day. And and, um, right action has to do with developing a very good, strong, intuitive sense of where you are with that. So... One of the ways then you could journey if you're looking at the first principle, which is about the fact that you need to take actions. So one journey that people often sort of just, I don't know, don't take is what are my action steps? And I encourage people to ask what are the first three action steps to bring whatever into manifestation or whatever the rest of the question is Um, and why? I mean I usually encourage people not to ask for the whole plan. Um, in terms of action steps, but the first three action steps. And the reason for that is because after you've actually taken three spirit-directed steps, you've changed everything. And so steps four, five, six, and seven are now different. And so there's no point in getting attached to a whole set of steps beyond about three because everything starts changing as soon as you take one spirit-directed step. 
By the time you've taken three, it's a whole new ball game. So another aspect of taking action, taking new actions, using your free will is journeying to ask, what if any support will I need to take each of the three steps? You'll need to journey about each step differently. And you're looking for what support you will need physically in your life. What support might you need emotionally? What support might you need mentally? What support might you need spiritually to take the steps, the next three steps you need to take? I mean, maybe the answer is none. Maybe you don't need any support. But that's pretty rare. We almost always need some kind of support to do something different. And finally, another important question when you are bringing things forward in the world. And it's easy to know this now because you can look around. Well, in the Northern Hemisphere, you can look around springtime and realize all these tiny little shoots and buds and things coming up are very delicate. And so the other important thing to know about taking action is you need to also understand what actions are necessary to protect what you are doing as you are doing it. Okay, so the kinds of questions you could be asking to get to actions that um, come out of principle two, which is the getting out of your way principle, is, um, and this can often be more effective if you do these as partner journeys and you let someone else journey on this for you and you journey for them because we don't see ourselves very clearly. We're enormously biased and we're quite capable of editing things out in the journey, especially the most important bits. Um, However, with a partner, you could, you could switch this journey and ask how will – let's say I'm journeying for Bob and Bob is journeying for me. I could journey and say how will Bob get in the way of bringing you know, his or her vision into full manifestation or whatever it is. I could ask how will Bob get in the way of taking the next three steps. But the point is there's, there is going to be a getting in the way aspect. How could we address that and clear it out of the way? And then, so then the next logical question after seeing how someone will get in their way, which is sometimes very simple and sometimes very complex. But the next logical question is, what does Bob need to do to get out of his or own way? Now that we know how they're going to do it, what do they need to do to get out of their own way? Um, And I know it seems like it would be a shortcut to just ask, what does so-and-so need to do to get out of their own way? But now we've bypassed the learning piece We've bypassed understanding, what am I doing that gets in my own way? Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, how do, what do I need to do to get out of my own way? Right? Again, back to the understanding, we need to be learning from the spirits how to be better humans and how to not make the same mistakes again and again and how to not be in our own way the same way again and again. Um, And frankly, this is one of my favorite questions. I think I've said that a million times before. But taking action to get out of the way, it's very powerful because I have 100% power on myself in the moment to take those actions to get out of my own way and opens the way for my life, for the universe, for the spirit world, to for my own soul, to move the energy out of the dream into manifestation. And there is an effortless quality to it um, in that sense. So, let's use an example from my recent journey circle. So, the question that we were journeying on was to show me how to plant the seeds in this spring equinox that will allow my heart and soul to flourish. So, that was the question. So, it was all about planting seeds. 
Um, and the answer for one person was um, the Native American gardening practice called the Three Sisters. Um, and this is the, you know, so in, in line with that, the journeyer was shown dig a hole, add a fish, place the seed on the fish, cover with dirt, water daily. Um, sometimes the watering daily was more, sometimes less, which was kind of an interesting part of the journey. So what does that mean? I mean, obviously, this is a journey where the answer has been offered as a metaphor. So what does this mean the person needs to do? So what does it mean in terms of the person actually taking action to manifest something? So just for the sake of our show, let's imagine uh, that this person living here in Portland wants to get out of their job. It's not a bad job, but there's not a lot of soul's purpose going on there. They, in particular, don't like their boss. It's the kind of boss that makes working for someone taxing, you know, the kind of boss that doesn't have a lot of respect for other people. And this person wants to just be their own boss, wants their own business, wants to stop working for other people, having their hours dictated. Now, of course, working for yourself usually means you simply work all the time. But nonetheless, let's imagine our imaginary person here in Portland wants to do their own thing. So here in Portland, we have food carts. Now, I know there's food carts kind of everywhere in the urban world, but it, it's, um, it's blossoming in great abundance here in Portland. And the food carts have gone from, you know, pretzels and um, sweet nuts and um, ice cream cones, basically, to anything. Anything, gourmet hamburgers, cupcakes, anything, absolutely anything. There's a food cart somewhere in Portland. You can go get it. All these really amazing foods from all over the world. Right? Some food carts are better than others, but anyway, food carts. So let's imagine that our imaginary person here in Portland that we're talking about wants to start a food cart. And that this is the person that had the journey that said dig a hole, add a fish, plant the seed, cover with dirt, water daily. Okay? So the first action then is to journey now on each step and ask what does dig a hole actually mean in my life right now relative to manifesting my food cart. So that journey now needs to be taken for each metaphorical step to begin to move from the metaphor into action. Okay, so far so good. So let's imagine we got to dig a hole that it's about the earth. And let's imagine as she journeys about it that what the journey is saying is dig into the foundation and support of your life. That's the earth, right? Foundation support of our life. And, for, and so is that family? Is that friends? Um, who, who are the foundation and support of your life? And dig in. What does it mean to dig in? Well, let's imagine in our little story here that for this person, it meant that she needed to contact everyone in her extended family all around the United States. And that half of them are here in the West Coast and half are in the East Coast. And um, a lot of these conversations go nowhere. And one of the last people on our list is Uncle Max. And Uncle Max is this guy nobody talks about. Nobody invites the holidays. Nobody even wants him around. They don't really like to admit Uncle Max exists because everyone feels like Uncle Max failed. That he had so much potential and possibility as a young man. And all he ended up doing was selling peanuts at Fenway Park. Okay, so that's Uncle Max. So she doesn't want to call Uncle Max because nobody ever bothers with Uncle Max. But the journey says call everyone. So she calls everyone. And as she talks to Uncle Max, she finds out that Uncle Max didn't sell peanuts at Fenway Park. 
Uncle Max had a massive food cart empire at Fenway Park that he now granted it was all baseball food, but Uncle Max knows how to run a food franchise, how to run a food cart. And as she talks with Uncle Max and he's telling her stories and she's laughing and they're carrying on, Uncle Max says, well, you know, because she tells him her dream. Uncle Max says, well, you know, I have a buddy who lost too much money at the ponies and he's got to liquidate three carts fast. I bet I could get you one of his best carts real cheap. And so they talk about that and Uncle Max says, well, when do you need it? And, and, you just started your journeys, right? She doesn't need it for months. And so he says, great. I need to see my kids. They live all across the United States. Why don't I go get the cart for you, hook it on my car, and go on a journey? Got to visit my kids. I've been out here way too long. I'm tired of the winter in the East Coast. Let me bring it out to you. What is she going to say? No. So Uncle Max goes and buys the cart, hitches it on the car, starts driving across the United States visiting his kids on the way. In the meantime, Uncle Max says, you need to be getting a permit. What permit? She says, well, you can't just park these things anywhere. Where are you going to park it until it's ready to be put wherever you're going to sell your things? So she gets busy making the permit, and she's starting to understand Uncle Max is not the family screw-up. Uncle Max is her power animal. So what does that a fish mean? Well, the fish is nourishment. What will make your particular food cart grow strong? Let's say that it's that creative piece that is uniquely what this person can bring to this food. And let's say, as is very typical in taking action based on spirit information, when you need to connect with your uniqueness and creativity, you panic. So our imaginary person here with the food cart is now panicking and is now stuck on step two, add the fish, because she doesn't know what her fish is. What is this unique creative piece she's going to bring to her food cart? So the big problem is, She's probably making too many assumptions. But one of the main assumptions we make is the steps we've been given are linear. And so if this were my client, I would advise her to not worry about the fish right now, but move on to the other three steps, which are place the seed, cover with dirt, water daily. So the assumption that things are linear because our lives unfold or we think our lives unfold linearly is one of the most dangerous assumptions that we make around our taking action from spirit, that we often need to get several things moving. Some things take a long time to evolve. Some things are very quick. Things are not necessarily sequential just because you were given five things or seven things or whatever. So place the seed. So she moves on. Our imaginary person here moves on. Place the seed. How do you place a dream or an idea or a vision? This is what the spirits are telling her to do. Um, How do you do that now so that it can take root so by the time you open that food cart, it will actually flourish? That's not the time to plant the seed. The seed needs to be planted much before because the dream happens to manifest reality, not after. So how do you craft what you believe in and still leave room for spirit and the unknown? So she needs to work on her intention, maybe make a collage of of the energies and keep adding things and taking things away to keep the image present in her mind. Maybe she needs to create a power object and keep it on her altar and work with it in her altar practice. And then there is always the dreaming from the heart, not just intention and affirmation in the mind, but what does it feel like to be in that cart, making whatever she's making 
and receiving people's praise, people's yum, people's money, people's resources that come to her for what she's giving out. What does that feel like? She's got to dream into that from her heart. Cover with dirt. One of the hardest um, actions to accept and take is one we don't want to do. So let's say that the dirt that covers and protects the seeds while it takes root and begins to grow is for her to stay at her old job months longer than she wanted to, to continue to draw those resources. And let's say it also meant no more staying out late drinking Friday and Saturday night because you need the resources for your cart. So cover with dirt could be a whole lot of actions she doesn't want to take, but it protects the seed as it begins to take root and as it begins to grow and that these steps are necessary as humble as cover with dirt may be they are necessary steps to move into this new world she's moving into water daily what does it mean to water daily let's say it means to journey to your power spot where you actually take these steps in the metaphor version and that you actually water the seed daily in the journey that's interpreting the journey literally but taking action in the invisible world. So let's say that it also means here in the physical world to talk about it, dream about it, um, take at least one of the million steps that need to be taken, like getting permits and et cetera, and finding out the rules and the legalities. There's a million things to do if you're going to manifest something in the physical world. Let's say that you realize in doing this that Uncle Max isn't a screw-up that he actually has huge amounts of experience that you could put to good use. So Uncle Max arrives with the food cart, and he stays with you in your guest room for a while. And you find out Uncle Max is happy to just be there, be with you, help you fix up the cart. And he tells you the real story about why he decided to be a vendor at Fenway Park, because he'd been a great high school baseball player. And because of some mistakes and because of people's biases, he'd gotten into a big fight. And he'd been injured in the fight to such a degree he wasn't a great baseball player anymore. But he loved the game. And the way for him to stay close to the game was to be at the park. And the way to be at the park was to sell those peanuts. And that it gave him a way to take the kids away from his wife for the weekend so she could go have a sane day with the ladies. It induced, allowed him to introduce his kids to the things he loved most next to them. And that to be at that park and to sell the food there and to watch people enjoying baseball was the way that he could be with the thing he loved most in the world second to his kids. And so you come to realize that Uncle Max is the dirt. He is the water daily. He is giving you the way every day to plant that seed by being there and helping you. And you realize that Uncle Max is a helping spirit embodied. And you would have never known that if you hadn't been willing to dig the hole. And so this is how I work to take actions from spirit. Always leaving room for the unknown. Because taking actions from spirit is a bit like being a boat at sea with the stars that chart your guide. The stars are always there. But you have to know how to read them. And there are currents and land masses and things that are chartable. And there is also weather. There is always weather, which is the unknown. So I give thanks to the helping spirits for being with us here today. For the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. And may you allow your heart to inspire you into action. 
Next week, we'll begin a series of shows that will weave in and out of the coming year about ways to understand evil differently. I believe it's a critical point if we are to be effective in the world and to change our belief in the battle between good and evil. We discover together, or we will discover together, how to hold evil in clear understanding of the damage that it does and in the oneness of all things. Our first guest in this series is Paul Levy, who will speak from his new book, Dispelling Watiko, Breaking the Curse of Evil. So I look forward to you joining me next week. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.